just talking about the referral program. It shouldn't be something that you just bring up. I see a lot of agencies saying, hey, I give out 10% of my revenue reoccurring for anyone you refer. Needs to be an actual page on your website. Then it needs to be everywhere. So if any of my bookkeepers email you because you're a client, it's at the bottom of all of their emails, at the bottom of my signature. It's brought up on every sales call. Hello and welcome to Confessions of a B2B Marketer. My name is Tom, your host, and today we have a big episode, slightly different. It's more for the bootstrap people. So for you VC-funded people, probably still have some learnings here, but this is going to be better if you maybe have less resources. What Nathan does is he outlines the playbook that he's used to grow three B2B service companies. The seven organic strategies that he runs through all of which intertwine with each other and all of which basically cost no money, but will obviously cost a bit of time. So we're going to jump into that in a second. But before we have to give a big shout out to Fame, that's fame.so is the domain. And yes, this is my company. But we are, like Nathan is discussing, a almost a business support service. We are podcasts as a service almost where B2B brands will pay us to start and grow podcasts for them, more specifically profitable podcasts. And you can find out why at fame.so. That is all. Let's jump into this discussion with Nathan. Nathan, welcome to the show. Tom, thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. My pleasure. So I've been doing my research and (laughs) the journey over the past, it seems like seven years, seems to have been an interesting one. So I'm just going to give a bit of context and we're going to dive in. Sounds good. So from my understanding, it seems like you have been able to build capital efficient businesses in the almost, I don't want to say boring, but in like the almost business support world. Would you agree? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I like people talk about entrepreneurs being risky. I'm probably the opposite of that. I don't love large amounts of risk. All the companies I've started with the exception of our most recent bookkeeping business, I've started with $5,000 or less. And even the bookkeeping business wasn't too much more than that split between two partners. So I like lean, very frugal businesses and boring spaces that have big markets that have reoccurring revenue that we can drive a lot of traffic to and kind of put our our own spin on customer service and processes so that clients have really good experiences. You are talking my exact language. Our business is exactly the same. Now, why I find this interesting is because if we're not raising a shed load of money, but we still have to, as you mentioned, drive a load of traffic. I want to dig into how you've been able to do this and attract those clients organically. We currently have a post that's popping on LinkedIn right now. We'll link to Nathan's LinkedIn profile right below this so you can go and check it out about organic ways that you've been able to drive traffic to these three companies. So if it's cool with you, what I want to do is go through those strategies and maybe pick out examples of how you've done it for one of the three businesses that you've done this for. Yeah, yeah. Before we do that, just real quick to kind of put it all in context. So what we do before we start any new company is, first of all, a lot of market research. We try to talk to our ideal customer. We talk to competitors. We do research on competitors. And we want to know, is there actually a market? Is there a margin? Is this something people will be interested in? Is it oversaturated? All that kind of stuff. And we're pretty open with those. If anyone checks out my Econ Balance or Accounts Balance blog, We have interviews from potential clients before we start our bookkeeping business to learn everything about the space that we were pretty new in. 
And then the second thing that I think is super important is minimum viable product. We get a minimum viable product out there as quickly as possible. With Outsource School, we sold the course before we even had the course. And if we didn't get any sales, we would have just refunded everyone and moved on to something else or refunded a few people. With FreeUp, we gave some initial hours of VAs out to people for free to see if they liked the service. With bookkeeping, we gave a bunch of people two free months of bookkeeping. We're in the process of potentially launching an SEO business. Same thing. We're going to give people some free months of written blog articles. And if anyone's interested, reach out to me. But that's how we do it. We get it out there, minimum viable product. We prove there's an actual market, prove that people want whatever we're selling. And then we build off of that and slowly hire people, add new things. We don't just like go all in at once because that's hard to do with $5,000. And we don't want to do that before we actually prove that that we can sell whatever it is that we're doing. And it seems like those interviews also form the style of your organic content strategy. Yeah, absolutely. It's part of it. I mean, a big thing that we believe in is documenting the journey as we go. And that's the good, bad, and the ugly. Everything from uh, the trials and, and tribulations that you're going through as an entrepreneur to wins, to landing clients. One of the things that, that people couldn't believe we did with FreeUp my last company, we would post how many hours per week we were billing. So the people that were on our newsletter early on saw, hey, we hit 1,000, we hit 5,000, we hit 10,000, we hit 18,000 build hours a month before we were acquired. And people follow along with the journey and you let them know, hey, these are the people we're hiring. Hey, we're at 10,000 build hours a month. We've added two customer service reps to support that. And they can kind of follow that journey along there with you. Interesting. And does that only work because the people that would be interested in that stuff would also be potential customers for the business. Yeah, that's a good point. It's probably a lot harder in a B2C space, which isn't really where I hang out. But in my sense, I like to go for big markets. Like entrepreneurs, they need to hire. They, there's no way around it. They need bookkeeping. There's no way around it. They probably need SEO. There's no way around it. So for me, if you have business owners following you, you're going to come across people that need your service if you're in those bigger markets anyway. Fortunately, everybody listening here is also in the B2B space, which is 100% relevant. So you've already dropped to, I guess, organic content strategies, right? So maybe doing early interviews, get that on the blog, but then also use milestones almost as the company grows if, as like written email or content or whatever. So should we start with organic and work out how you've been able to attract customers with that? Yeah. So let's go down my list. So the basis of everything is our affiliate or referral program. And I've seen a lot of people do this and do it the wrong way. For us, we want something that's repeatable, that's easy to remember, and that is reoccurring. So what we did with FreeUp is we said, hey, anyone you refer to us, you get 50 cents for every hour that we build to them forever. And by year four, we we're paying out half a million dollars in a year in affiliate money, a lot of 50 cents. For Outsource School, to yearly membership, we pay out 40%. For econ balance and accounts balance, my bookkeeping companies, we pay out $50 a month reoccurring for as long as they're a client. And what you want to do is have a page on your website that's just talking about the referral program. It shouldn't be something that you just bring up. I see a lot of agencies saying, hey, I give out 10% of my revenue reoccurring for anyone you refer needs to be an actual page on your website. Then it needs to be everywhere. So if any of my bookkeepers email you because you're a client, it's at the bottom of all of their emails, at the bottom of my signature. It's brought up on every sales call. Hey, at the end, by the way, before I let you go, we have this great affiliate program, $50 a month reoccurring for as long as you're a client. And it comes right off your invoice. Or if you're not a client, we pay it out so we don't force people to be a client. And if someone signs up as a client, the affiliate link's already there. We have a custom client portal affiliate links in there ready to go. And we give people options because not everyone likes affiliate links. You can use your affiliate link. You can introduce someone directly to me or someone on the team, 
or you can just have them sign up and mention your name and we'll even backdate it if you come to us later on because we want to pay our affiliate. So make it as easy as possible. Auto set up when they sign up because you want to use current clients. Those are your best affiliates a lot of times. Something that has a solo page so you can send people it directly and it's brought up on every single call, email. It's on all our invoices that we send to clients. Hey, save money on your next invoice by referring people. That's how we build out our affiliate programs. And it's the basis for everything else we're going to talk about. Some people might not want to be affiliates. Some people will, but it's at least there for people that want. I mean, incredible, incredible tactical advice there. The two things I'm picking up is A, make it clear so people remember, but then B, just continually remind people about this thing. Now, the most interesting point I think you raised is the basis of everything. Is this because what it's essentially doing is increasing the ROI on any other strategy that you implement? Because a portion of those people that come in, even contact you or become a customer, are going to become referrals that makes you more profitable. Is that right? Absolutely. And I'll even add another thing to that. People sign up. If they're not already a client, they sign up to become an affiliate. So we have an affiliate email list with all of our businesses. So then we can pump out content with the affiliate email list and it can lead to other stuff like partnerships, which we'll talk about. But yeah, that's definitely a key. Is there a specific software you use to run that program? Yeah, good question. So with most of our businesses, we like building our own software, like FreeUp had its marketplace that we built, Econ Balance, Accounts Balance, have its own client portal. We try to not reinvent the wheel, so we're not building our own QuickBooks. We use QuickBooks, but we have a client portal. With Outsource School, which is our membership in our course, didn't make a lot of sense to build software, so we use a tool called Pay Kickstart. Pretty solid, I'd recommend it. Probably has a lot more features than we use. We try to keep everything pretty simple, but there's a bunch of good affiliate software out there that you can use if you don't want to build your own. Love it. So we've got the affiliate program set up. Everyone's being reminded. It's very remarkable. People know it. What should we start doing next? So my next favorite thing is partnerships. I want to work with other companies that are in my space that do something completely different than me, but have the same target audience. So with FreeUp, we provided e-commerce VAs and freelancers in year one. Eventually, we branched out to marketing VAs and stuff, but year one, just e-commerce. So we went to every single e-commerce software company and a lot of them had their own little clicks and we made our way into all of them. And we said, hey, we don't provide Amazon software. You don't provide Amazon VAs. We both have Amazon sellers as potential customers and on our email list, let's partner. And the key to partnerships is you need to be the most organized person on your end. They're not gonna be organized on their end most of the time. So we have a partner directory. If anyone goes to any of my sites, Outsource School, Econ Balance, you can see the partner directory at the bottom. And if anyone comes to me, let's say they're a client of my bookkeeping service and they say, hey, I need PPC. Well, I don't offer PPC, but I do have a partner directory of great PPC agencies that you can go look at and I send them the link. So that's step one. If they have a directory, get on their directory. That's a great backlink for your website as well. And then you want to be organized on your side and divide up the partners between great ones, good ones, and average ones. Great ones, you're going to reach out to every single quarter and say, hey, what do you want to do together? Do you want to do an email blast? Do you want to do a guest blog post? Do you want to do a YouTube video? You can get creative on, on what you do there. The medium ones every six months, the smaller ones once a year. And if someone's not really a good partner, you can just keep them on your directory and, and not work with them if they don't have a big audience or not have them at all. But every single quarter, 
we have all these partners promoting us, giving us backlinks, um, getting us in front of their audience and vice versa. They're getting in front of ours and it ends up being a win-win. Now, we are very picky on who we partner with over time. If, if we learn that clients are having a bad experience with someone or someone's doing anything sketchy, we're removing them. But ideally, you want to work with people that are bigger than you. If I have a 10,000 person newsletter, I want to find someone that has a 50 or 100,000. And that's not easy. You're going to get rejected a lot, but you, you want to try to find those people and the cool thing is if you start and you document, we've had companies that started off the same size of us, we blew up, they blew up, and we've been partners for two years, and now they're promoting us to their huge list. So we love partnerships. Do partnerships get different commissions than affiliates? Yeah, great question. So the beauty of our affiliate program is we will customize it for different people. So if our bookkeeping is $50 a month reoccurring, if someone's a good partner, we can double that or make it 75 or whatever we want to do there. And then you can also make custom pages for people. So with FreeUp, we'd have freeup.com slash influencer's name or whatever, and or partner's name. And then it would go right to the site. Their affiliate link's already there. And that's just another creative way. You can get really creative with it once you really get going. It seems like the base of the partnership strategy is to have this cadence of good, bad, awesome partners, and then co-creating content that you're both going to promote together. Or you'll put a blog post that they wrote on your site, promote that, and then they'll do the same. So it's basically this, would you say that's the crux of the program? Yeah. And it's like any relationship. Like if you're dating, you probably aren't kissing them on the first date. You might want to get to know them a little bit better. Partnerships is the same way. If someone's got a massive email list, I'm probably not asking them to blast me on their email list in step one. We'll start off with something small, like a guest blog article exchange. And then you can kind of build up from there. Incredible. Okay. That's number two. So we've got the affiliate scheme set up. We've got our list of partners that we're rolling through. We're creating content together. Maybe we've got separate landing pages. We've got the partnership directories. What do you think we should work on next? So my personal favorite, podcasts like this. So podcasts are great for so many reasons. One, you're networking with people in your space. If I'm running a bookkeeping service for agencies like I run and you have a marketing podcast like we're on right now, you're a pretty good person to know in my space. It's very relevant. It's good for backlinks and evergreen content. It's good for getting in front of thousands of people at once and podcasts get listened to over and over and over. It's got a snowball effect where people might, all these kind of go together, by the way, in one way or another, people might hear you on a podcast and say, hey, Nate might be a great partner. I'm going to reach out to him on LinkedIn. LinkedIn and I might get a message there. So podcasts are key. I used to go crazy with them. I had one week where I did five podcasts a day, five days in a row. That was a little crazy. But if you're doing a few every single month, over time, you're going to be looked at as an influencer in your field. You're going to get to know a lot of people. You're going to have a lot of evergreen content, a lot of backlinks. You can turn a lot of that content into social media posts and short videos ready to go. So podcasts are the next thing. And we have a podcast outreach formula as part of Outsource School that's really popular for just getting on really great shows. We'll link below to Outreach School and everything else that's mentioned in this episode below. Okay, it makes total sense. And what I want to do actually after we've been through each of them is just explore how these connect because as i was looking through the post you put on linkedin today i was like actually yeah all of these are going to reinforce and feed each other but we'll do that later i'll open that loop now what's next next is influencers so you think a lot of people when i say influencers they think kim kardashian or something it's more people in your space that have a large following they might have a Facebook group of agencies. That's pretty perfect for my bookkeeping agency business. They might have a large following on Instagram, a large following on LinkedIn. And those are people you want to connect with. And 
My favorite thing is I have a VA every morning, send me a list of potential partners, a list of potential podcasts, a list of potential influencers, and some other ones that we'll talk about. And I'll just reach out to them and connect with them and try to set up a networking call, see how I can help them. What can I do to add value? One creative thing that I do since I've been on a lot of podcasts, hey, I got this list of podcasts and contact information of every podcast I've ever been on. Do you want it? Easy way to get in with an influencer and add some value. You guys, if you think hard, if you're listening, you can come up with your own way that you can add value. So you're not just ask, 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 ask. You want to give first, but you want to get to know the other people in the space, see how you can help them, see how you can promote their business with their offering and vice versa. That's a quick way to, to get in front of their audience as well. So look for those influencers. And like you said, these can all go together. The influencers might have a podcast. They might have a business that would be a good partnership. They can go together in different ways. Yeah. So these first four are very connected, right? So you're saying this is part of your daily routine where you're going to get these links from the VA every day. And then maybe you're spending half an hour a day, like on calls, emailing, messaging with people to build relationships. Right. Exactly. Do you think that has to be done by the founder CEO or could it be done by someone else in the team? Definitely can be done by somebody else. I've gone through phases where I've done that. I've been doing it for so long and I'm so quick at it that it's not even necessary, to be honest, but it can definitely, we've got plenty of people in outsource school that have their VAs handle everything start to finish. I bet it compounds as well because you've been in this game because FreeUp was kind of similar niches, right, to Econ Balance and outsource school. So I bet it just compounds over time. It's like a snowball. Yeah. I mean, if you start different businesses in similar industries, you might have some partners that worked with you in the past that want to work with you now. Someone who's an influencer might launch a new podcast and invite you on. I get messages all the time. Hey, will you come on my podcast? So at some point, you don't even have to do that much outreach, but it can compile. And here's even another tip. If you're, let's say someone's an influencer and they have a Facebook group, or it could even be a podcast. This is a, a real story. I had a podcast from an influencer that rejected me for years. And the way I actually got on it is I said, hey, I've got five people that are in your community that are clients of mine. Here are testimonials from them that they like my service. I really think we'd love to partner with you. I know I can take really good care of your audience. And that's what a lot of influencers really care about. Some might care about the affiliate program, but a lot of them just care about protecting their community and they don't want to hurt their reputation, their name and, and refer a bad business. So you just have to prove to them that you're going to take really good care of their audience. I feel like you really love this stuff. It works. <laughs> so the whole like, because obviously you're like the entrepreneur, right? Is this the part of the entrepreneurial journey that you love the most versus like processes or ops or people? Good question. I think I like all of it. I mean, I'm very fortunate that like, yeah, entrepreneurship, we've worked really hard, but there's plenty of people that work hard and don't have the breaks that we've gotten, whether it's timing, like starting an e-com business in 2008, or just like the exit right before COVID. Like there's things that have gone our way for sure, just like every other person has had success, but you got to love the journey. Like there's plenty of failures, things that, that go wrong, and you got to be able to celebrate the wins and enjoy the ride as well. And how are these things split between your business partner? Yeah. So that kind of brings to the next part of the organic marketing blueprint that I can talk to the least amount because I don't do anything with it. And that's SEO. My business partner, Connor Gillivan, you should follow him on LinkedIn, crushes SEO. He's been in the game for a while. And we put out content from day one. We invest in a blog. We have a blog budget with any business that we run. And we're constantly putting out good content that Google really likes, that helps people. We're getting people to promote that content. We're getting people to guest post on our blog with good content. So that's something that you're not going to see an ROI on right away. But in two years, you're going to be very happy that you started a blog from day one and you pick a number. Hey, we're going to publish one blog article every week. And then by 
six months in, we're going to increase that to two. Year in, we're going to increase that to three and slowly grow and build it up and put out good SEO ranking content, keyword research, all that, which again, I can't really speak on, but that's definitely part of our organic marketing blueprint. Connor's LinkedIn will be linked below for anybody who wants to follow him. So is that all Connor's doing, just the SEO? No, no, no. Connor does a lot with our partnerships too. He manages all of that, does our website. And yeah, we're both very involved in in any decisions that we make. We have a, a meeting once a week. We go through everything top to bottom, issues with the company, opportunities, threats, projects we should be focused on, priorities, all that stuff. But I'm more on the processes and the, the face of the company. He's more on the SEO and the, the marketing side. Got it. Okay. So you're more involved, I guess, with the fulfillment, et cetera, customer service. Yep. Sales team, all that. Love it. Okay. So we've gone through, I think we've had four, maybe five with organic then, organic SEO. Yeah, five. What else? All right. So last two aren't too long. Most people know backlinks. Backlinks are key. We focus on those every single week. We want to find other websites that rank higher than us that are relevant and get a backlink to their site. It could be getting added to their partner directly. It could be a guest blog article. could be a podcast. Again, they overlap a little bit. could be a website that says, hey, here are the top five places to hire VAs from. And they had Upwork, they had Fiverr, and we shot them an email and said, hey, can you add free up to that list? Here's some reviews. Same thing with the bookkeeping business. Here are top bookkeeping businesses for agencies or for e-commerce sellers. We want to get on all those lists. Now, here's a quick hack for backlinks. When you start a new business, find every possible directory that's free and just create a profile on that directory with your link. So I'm talking about all the review sites, SiteJabber, Trustpilot, Get a profile there, even if you're not going to get reviews for six months. You can find other stuff like web retailer, any place that's relevant that you can create a free profile, free directory that backlinks to you. That's a great starting point for backlinks. Makes total sense. Also ties in very nicely with the organic strategy and the partnership influencer podcast strategies we mentioned before. Absolutely. All right. The final one. Final one is my favorite, and that's reviews. These are real authentic reviews, no fake reviews. I'm not hiring people from my team to leave reviews. I am going out and finding real clients that have worked with me for a little bit, and I'm asking them how they enjoy the service. And if they tell me that they are enjoying it. I ask them if they would like to, if they would be willing to leave me a five-star review online. I have links ready to go on a notepad with my favorite review sites, Trustpilot, Google, Facebook, whatever they are. And I usually ask people if they'll copy the same review to two places. So you get two out of every one. And I'm slowly collecting reviews as I go. I think when we sold free up, we had, I don't even know how many reviews, maybe a thousand or something online, but people will Google your company before they work with you. And if they see real testimonials of clients, that's a great way to build trust. And it's going to help your, your close rate as you get more and more leads. Got it. So we're talking a little bit further down the funnel here. I assume you can aggregate them and put it on your site, but also when people are going out searching, that's going to improve conversion rate to closing those deals. Yeah, we'll put, if anyone goes to Outsource School, they can see all of our members and their testimonials on our site. But for SEO wise, it's more for the site jabbers, the trust pilots of the world, the, the really big review sites that you can, that pop up on Google. If you, if you Google your own business, my guess is if you created a site jabber or a trust pilot account, it's on page one. So it's going to be seen and it's your job to get real reviews on there. What I love about these seven strategies is that you don't need a lot of money to do them. I have some guests that come on this show and they have an absolute shed load of VC funds. And they're talking about like creating demand, capturing demand, creating like very high production value video content that you're not going to see an ROI on for like 12 months. But here, these are all like super actionable, can probably be implemented by people that have less expensive than the founder, et cetera, but will still get results probably faster than that stuff. Would you agree? 
Yeah, I mean, some of this stuff is a long game, right? I don't know when you publish a podcast, but my guess is you're not publishing it today. So it might take a, a little bit to go out there. SEO is a long-term game and, and writing your blog. Uh, partnerships can be quicker. Like you might land a partnership and do a newsletter blast next week if you find the right partner. So it's not all instant, but over time they compound and, and it's going to lead to a more consistent client flow. When we sold free up, a big thing they looked at is, how do we get clients? How do we get leads? And we were getting them from all over the place. So if Google changes their algorithm or one of my podcasts gets taken down or something, you got leads coming from a lot of different spaces. And that's huge. You don't want to be just on Facebook ads and your Facebook ad account gets shut down and you've got no other way of getting clients. You want to really diversify. And the other beauty of this is if you have a good organic foundation and you're doing these things, anything you do on paid ads is going to drastically complement these things. Do you guys ever raise money? Never. You want my, this is less of a business take and more of a Nathan Hirsch take. I don't want to go to sleep at night, like risking other people's money. Like I don't need to, I don't have to. I was lucky enough to exit a few years ago. I don't see myself ever doing it. Now there's probably smarter people than me out there who say, Hey, you can grow a lot faster and make more money long-term. If you get a, a get funding, that's just, I like running lean businesses that I control that I get to make decisions on that cash flow that I'm not risking other people's money on. So that's kind of how I go about it. But who knows? People change. Maybe next time I talk to you, that's something we're more interested in. How are you splitting your time? Because obviously you have the three businesses. Obviously the accounting ones are pretty similar, right? How are you splitting your time between the three? Right now, it's more the bookkeeping businesses only because they're a little bit newer. They're about a little over a year old. Outsource School has been around for four years. We have a pretty good VA team that runs that, plus slightly different business model where that doesn't take as long. And now, and then also about 10 to 20% of our time is brainstorming new business ideas, which we've got some potentially coming up and probably shifting our focus to those as the bookkeeping businesses continue to grow. And now we have a great foundation, a good team there. We learned a lot about the space and people are really happy there. So it kind of allows us to take some of that time and focus on other things. So ultimately, we're looking to build a portfolio of these kind of business support subscription businesses. I assume we're going to branch out. Absolutely. I mean, our ultimate goal is to have a portfolio of 10 businesses that run without us that are in very boring, stable spaces that'll be around for 30 plus years. And yeah, we'll see if we get there. And it seems like these strategies, especially if they're like connected to you as a person, can be used to promote all 10 businesses when they all exist. Yeah, that's the goal. And kind of a funny thing off of that with FreeUp, like I was the face of FreeUp, right? Everyone kind of knew Nathan Hirsch is FreeUp. And all I heard for four years is that we couldn't sell the business because I was the face. And that wasn't actually true. I was out of operations completely. So, and someone could easily, and someone did come in and said, hey, we're going to take over FreeUp with a marketing team and a different marketing plan and be able to replace you as the marketer. So you can build a business that runs without you, that you're the face and have it be sellable. What you can't do is have you be the fulfillment and try to sell that business. That's incredibly hard. Got it. So pull yourself out of the fulfillment. You can't be involved in marketing, but then the acquirer could, would just have to replace you, which may not be too hard. Right. Make total sense, Nathan. So what we have here, listeners, is a playbook for starting and obtaining organic exposure, especially if you don't have a shed load of VC cash. Below, we're going to be linking to obviously all the different businesses. Nathan, will link to you. We'll link to Connor. We'll link to your partner directory. Anything else that we need to link to or shout out to? Yeah, you follow me on LinkedIn, Nathan Hirsch. Check me out there. We have a lot of free resources. If you go to Outsource School or, or Accounts Balance, uh, check those out. And I'm pretty easy to contact and love networking with other entrepreneurs. So feel free to, to reach out to me anytime. 
All right, team, what do we think of that? Nathan left a lot of value in a very short space. I hope that one or more of those strategies can be implemented in your business in order to get some customers without having to invest significantly in some very high production value video content. For example, now let's give a quick shout out to the savviest hippo. Give the latest review on the show in Apple Podcasts in the US. It says, actionable show. Loving the content lately from a B2B SaaS marketing perspective. Thank you so much for that. If you have any feedback about the show, please go to Apple Podcasts. Leave an honest rating and review. Send me a screenshot and I'll give you and your business a shout out in a future outro. Massive shout out to Nathan coming on and sharing all that wisdom all the links will be below in the show notes big shout out to fame for producing this show thank you so much and of course thank you for listening